Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Hello and welcome, my friends, to the Zenpreneur podcast. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti, the Zenpreneur. Today, I have the honor of sharing the space with another powerful impact maker, a very interesting person. His name is Brandon Mergut. He is the co-founder and CEO of a wonderful company that started out as Shanghai Mindfulness, and today it is known as Modern Mindfulness. Brandon is an advisor to Fortune 500 companies such as Disney, Volvo, Volkswagen. Um, in terms of mindfulness, he's a teacher, he's a facilitator, he's a coach, and Really, what he's most passionate about is about helping more people tap into the power of meditation to gain a more peaceful state in life. And today, I can't wait to dive in. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Brandon, tell me, what is mindfulness? There are so many definitions about that. Um, I'm, I'm a bit confused when I hear mindfulness, and I'm wondering, how do you look at mindfulness? Depends on where in the world you are. If you're in China, we would say <laughs> jin, jin nian. Jin nian means correct mindfulness or correct view. That comes directly from the Eightfold Path in Buddhism. If you are in Japan, similar. Uh, if you are in America, then we're using this word um, of the most scientific way I could introduce it is metacognition without judgment. Mm. You know, the Western popular view of mindfulness coined by John Kabat-Zinn is non-judgmental moment-by-moment awareness. But I just say to people, being aware of what's going on in your mind and having zero reactivity to that noise. Mm. That's a very powerful way of looking at it. And I want to ask you, so when I hear the term mindful, I always think of a full mind. But mm -hmm. is, isn't that what you're what you don't want to do? Because I also, also hear people, there's this famous Bruce Lee quote that says, empty your mind, be like water. Mm -hmm. So uh, how, how do we address that? Um, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Of course you are. Okay, fuck mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all i want to start with that is uh fuck mindfulness.com uh you can visit me no i'm just joking um <laughs> but uh with all sincerity um i think it's a bad translation uh just as Eckhart Tolle talked about um it's a word that has become uh dissoluted uh it has become saturated um you could see that's very similar to the word zen When Zen came to America, it was quite profound. And then it became kind of dissoluted, but it's coming around again, which Zen tends to do. And it's coming mm -hmm. back in the forefront of people's uh, awareness. And um, mindful, I don't like that word. Um, I'm kind of burnt out on the word mindfulness. I prefer awareness. Mm -hmm. The most powerful person in the room is the one who is most aware. Mm. So can we be more aware than mindful? It's a bit more tactical, I feel, for your listeners as well than mindful. It's like, yeah, 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 I get it. I'm mindful. Got it. Sure, thanks. Okay, but are you aware of what's happening mm. right now? Mm. So it's different. So I like that. That's a lot more practical and a lot more easy to grasp. And I think what would be really powerful 
for our listeners, and even for the two of us, is to set the tone for the conversation that we are going to have. So would you be open to giving all of us a taste of creating a greater sense of awareness through you know, some of the meditations that you offer, maybe in a shorter format? Absolutely. Um, talking about meditation is like reading a textbook on skateboarding. <laughs> so it's better to just get on the skateboard and fuck up. And fucking yeah. up is pro part of the process. Listening to a guided meditation is the equivalent of wearing a helmet. So it's like it's a, it's a it's a tool to help. So it'd be my honor to take a moment to bring your listeners into a state of more awareness. Yeah. Beautiful. So you can you take us into that? Yeah, of course. So in Zen, we meditate with our eyes open, um, but we don't have to just stare at each other in the screen. <laughs> we look at a 45 degree angle, downcast, eyes half open. So you're letting just enough light in and you're looking downcast, the chin slightly tucked. And for your listeners, I would recommend just to close your eyes. And what we're going to do is just become aware of what's here in this body, in this moment. And washing your body with this awareness, becoming aware of sitting here. And allowing the body to relax, getting out of your own way, allowing it to relax. I'd invite a brief visualization, and this is one that has helped me. It's called the Assembly of Masters. So just for a moment, visualize a couple of great teachers in your life that have helped you. You may or may not have met them. They may or may not be still alive. And to see them sitting behind you in this meditation, giving you encouragement, proud that you're taking time to be more aware of this life. You just see your teachers there behind you with support and large, caring eyes letting this visualization go and bringing the awareness to the body just resting on the simple awareness of the body if the mind is busy that's wonderful this awareness exercise did not cause the mind to be busy in this awareness exercise, you have discovered the mind was already busy. This is true power. This is true compassion. Seeing what's happening right here, right now, when we're just starting our journey with meditation training, it's skillful to learn to train the attention, train the awareness to stabilize the mind, to train it to stay put on a point. In this case, we'll use the breath. You just notice the breath happening to you. Notice the body being breathed. Just getting out of your own way, resting at this breath, at the stomach. Practicing effortless effort. And for the last minute, saying this in your mind for the practice, speaking is suffering. Non-seeking is bliss in meditation. And just let it go. See if you can notice the last 
10 breaths and just hold your awareness there with effortless effort. Now letting go of the breath, in the last 30 seconds, just sitting. Maybe try a reverse meditation. Maybe try not to meditate for just 30 seconds. And taking one deep breath into the nose, fully in, slowly exhaling out of the mouth. And having a little stretch, however you want to stretch. I sometimes like to raise my hands above my head and look up, stretching the spine, the neck. And I like to look behind myself, stretching the spine further. <laughs> And then the opposite side, looking behind you over your left shoulder. And you're free to move about the cabin. There you go. Wow. That was great. <laughs> I feel that was really good. <laughs> good. Good. Glad it was helpful. Thank you very much for guiding us through this experience. And I trust that the listeners are feeling a similar sentiment. And with that, tell me, Brandon, how did you become the man that you are today that is so deeply passionate about meditation? Take us back to where this all began for you. Sure. And uh, for those who are on video, uh, if you see my eyes darting left and back, it's me attempting to not look at myself on video. <laughs> um, I'm new to this technology that you're using, but um, how did I become the man I am today? Um, I think it's a good journey to share via Zenpreneur, Zenpreneurship, Entrepreneurship, any ship that you may be on or may not be on. That journey uh, didn't have a compass in the beginning, and it was about two things moving towards what I love and moving towards what I hate. So hmm. I'll unpack that. Um, my dad's from Cuba. I he's still alive. And he moved from America to New York city uh, when he was 12. And that was really hard on him. And he learned a lot about himself and grew up business, not as a 12 year old, but later on in life, <laughs> And uh, he got beat up because he couldn't speak English. So he learned judo, he got a black belt in judo, fought back. And uh, suffice to say, he's been a fighter ever since. And if he heard this recording, uh, he, would, he would agree. Um, and I, I, as a younger person, saw that I was born into a world, a postmodern world of ease and flow and not war. And I thought to myself, well, this is a really nice world, um, but God damn it, I'm bored. And uh, it's luxury. It's a luxury to be bored. And I, and I really I wanted to uh, go towards Eastern philosophy. And I wanted to do something that scared me deeply. Um, people's number one fear in life is usually two deep fears is either the fear of overwhelming violence or the fear of abandonment. Usually these are early childhood fears. And I wanted to face my fear of abandonment. So I <laughs> was like, where's the furthest I could go? 
and uh, what is in alignment with my vague vision for life is I will head to Japan. That's where I was set course. And as Zen is a central theme of, of your work, uh, Zen was uh, discovered in Japan or transcended into Japan. And uh, for every one job I found in Japan, I found 12 in China. So I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go to China. So I moved to China. Extremely difficult. Um, didn't know the language, but I knew I was where I needed to be. Um, I could only say, hello, fried rice, and I don't want it. I had one friend <laughs> out of 1.35 billion people in the country. Wow. And he's super nice guys. Kyle is his name. Big, big guy like me. And I was like, Kyle, I, I, I need to know Chinese. Can you teach me? And he's like, no, you got to teach yourself. And that was before I could just Google my phone. Cause remember, Google's blocked in China and that you didn't even have the bandwidth. Just pull out your smartphone 13 years ago and just have simultaneous translation, all this stuff that you have today. So I was like, look, just teach me how to, how do you say, how do you say? That's all I need to know. Like I said, how do you say that? How do you say this? How do you say that? Well, Kyle had a twisted sense of humor, just like me. And he taught me how to say, what does it mean? And I thought, what does it mean? It's the same as how do you say? So Kyle's like, we're going to go to the market and we're going to, we're going to test your Chinese. And I was super nervous. I was like, I don't want to do this, man. I don't want to talk to random strangers at a fucking supermarket. Like this is really uncomfortable. I said, wait, wait, wait. No, no. That's why I came to China because it's really uncomfortable. That's why I did this. So. He puts his hand over my shoulder and he's like, buddy, he's kind of looking down on me, buddy. You know, I'm six foot two. He's like six foot four. Yeah. And, uh, he's saying, go practice your Chinese on those people. Go ask them, how do you say banana? So I walk up to this lady. She was like at least 205 years old minimum. <laughs> and I pick up this banana and I, and I, and I think I'm saying, how do you say it? <laughs> and I pick up this banana and it's right underneath my chin. And I'm like kneeling, kneeling down to this lady holding this banana. And I'm going, what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> and Kyle in the distance is like, you got to say it louder. She's 210. That's how we speak in China. You got to speak loud. There's a lot of people. Ooh. So I go, what does it mean? What does the banana mean? So uh, that went on for a month. And uh, every morning I would ask what the bananas and the coconuts meant. So I got a lot of free bananas and uh, I was the special one in the village for a month and uh, they gave me free candy. And uh, yes, they took very good care of me. Um, so I left that that place in China, which was Hangzhou. And I said, what is the opposite of this place? And I, I went straight from the Himalayan mountains. And I, I lived in Yunnan province, north of Laos, for five years. And I started to get into more yoga, into more meditation. I met my wife in the mountains. She lives here with me in Austin, Texas. And she was traveling through the desert. She met me in the mountains of China. And um, I bet they became very content meditating every day at 5,000 feet above sea level. It's like 2,800 meters or something. Kind of like Sky wow. City, Cloud City, and Star Wars. And I was like, what would scare the shit out of me? Because that's why I came to this country. I'm from South Louisiana. At the time, the town I'm from, 23 years, 6,000 people. It's like, you know what? The one thing that would scare the crap out of me is going to Shanghai. And I wasn't one of those foreigners who was just going to move to China, move to the big city on the up and up, because that's easy. It sounds easy. But at that time, I was like, you know what? I want to move to this city of 25 million people because it scares me. So I moved there. First month was really tough. It was like the hottest summer of Shanghai. My flip-flops were melting on the cement. I was trying to find an apartment to live. And I never forget, I was at, I was at the, this apartment with a real estate person, and we were literally in the biggest apartment complex in the world. 
there's 150,000 citizens in this apartment complex. What? The average building size is about 45. Yeah, yeah, 45 stories. Uh, wait, wait, wait hold on. Yeah, one child. Go ahead. Did I hear this correctly? A apartment complex, complex yeah. of apartments that houses yeah. 150,000 people. Yeah, 130, 150. What? Yeah, yeah, man. That's China, bro. That's 1.4 billion people. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm at, I'm here, and I like go to the 35th floor of this apartment in China with this real estate lady and uh she's like look at the view outside this apartment and i'm looking out the apartment and i'm seeing skyscrapers of apartments all this area <laughs> which uh the chinese name is zhongyuan yawanchang means in chinese means the two twin towers cities uh but uh somebody thought it'd be fucking hilarious to call the whole place in english costco <laughs> So I lived in Costco for like five years and uh, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, man. That's exactly what it said. Um, just the way you spell the Costco. Uh, so um, the real estate person was like, this is the last apartment available in this apartment place. And I look at her and my eyes get really squinty. I get right in her face and I'm saying, and I put my hand over his shoulder and I look out the window and I said, there's 150,000 apartments here. You telling me there's the last one? She kind of got nervous. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was just a crazy journey, man. And uh, after I found my apartment, just circling back to your question you, you asked me, I was like, I need to go to professional networking events. That's just how I was raised. So I started going to networking events. I went to this one event called like, LinkedIn marketing networking event. And I started introducing myself. I said, hi, my name is Brandon. This is eight years ago. Hi, my name is Brandon. I have a blog called Mind Management. That was my business. I just wrote about self-help, random self-help stuff. I said, I write about travel, psychology, philosophy, meditation. Nine times out of 10, people said, you write about meditation? I said, yeah. Do you practice meditation? I said, yeah. I said, what does it do for you? And I just spoke the truth. And then I was asked a question that changed my life. They said, could you teach me meditation? Well, I wasn't asked that question 15 years ago living in South Louisiana. I said, of course, absolutely. So I taught him for free, four hours for free, no agenda, just an intention to share something that I love with somebody else. And he told his friends, they told their friends, I ended up teaching about a thousand people in a year for free. And I had all these people in these communities on WeChat, WeChat's like WhatsApp, had about 2000 people in these communities. I said, I need to call this something better than just like wellness in Shanghai. I was like, let me call it Shanghai mindfulness because there was a Beijing mindfulness. So let me call it that. And I did that for a year, grew that up. and I was like, what is the most professional version of teaching mindfulness and meditation? I, I want to want the creme de la creme. That's the best doing this. So I was always known for doing these meetups, these in-person meetups once a month, the mindfulness meetup. Still do them today. I'm doing one on Thursday in Austin, Texas for a bunch of coaches here. Super excited about it. And I... I had this meetup at this venue, like this health food venue, and there was this name, this lady named Kimberly Ashton, and I was like, Kimberly, I was, I was obsessed with like figuring this out. I was like, I gotta find the best meditation teacher in Shanghai. I have, like, it must exist. And it was like a burning koan. I was like, I have to find the mentor. Where is my teacher? I said, like, Kimberly. I got to find the most professional way of teaching meditation. Do you know anybody? And I asked everybody and their mama this question until I found it. And she was like, you need to meet Ting Ting. I was like, who the fuck is Ting Ting? <laughs> She's like, she does corporate meditation training. I'm like, get out of here. There's not like, you can't bring meditation to companies. Can't do that. 
She's like, no, no, it's real. She does it. She works for this organization that they do it. So I go to the mall and meet Ting Ting. And I'm like, Ting Ting, are you filled with BS? Are you, you telling me the truth? I'm kind of a challenger, but that, that that's like my way of like getting to the root of things. Um, cause I want to know if somebody's going to hurt me. You know, I want to know like, Hey, is this person going to cross me? So I tend to push people and I try to push people with love. And, uh, she's like, yeah, I work for these people in Hong Kong, these British people in Hong Kong and they run the China division. And, uh, and I'm like, what are their names? Like Tony and Michelle. So I find Tony and Michelle in Hong Kong. And I'm like, you're not doing corporate meditation training. They're like, no, no, we are. I said, get out of here. You, you, you whack-a-mole. I said, no, we're doing it. You know, we, we, we train Microsoft. We train Accenture. We train Lego. We train Disney. It took me six months to actually believe what they were doing was true. And ironically, that kind of was what got me the job because I was like, I was curiously skeptical. Yeah. And then they hired me as the youngest trainer at a potential project because of my ability to grow community, I assume. And I worked for them for four years. And those beautiful people at Potential Project, by the way, I still believe that in terms of bringing meditation to corporations, Potential Project is the best of the best. I believe that. I think they're they're way more skillful than Google Search Inside Yourself Leadership Program. They've got a lot of, they're nice people. Potential Project, though, they don't say mindfulness as much in corporations, um, but that's the core 20% of what they do. And I know the leaders, Jacqueline and Rasmus, they really focus on that in resilience training, leadership training. I don't work with them, no affiliation anymore. I'm just a fan because they changed my life. Jacqueline said, you changed your own life, Brandon. Mm -hmm. So I worked for them for four years, and they taught me to teach meditation to Lego, to Sonos, to to uh, Volkswagen, to Chevron, to Alibaba, to the FBI, to Merce, the shipping company. Um, and I never had that ability, and they really believed in me. Tony Dickel, uh, he believes in me and what I what I did at that time. He saw a young guy, super hungry, wanted to learn how to teach meditation to a different segment of people. Yeah. Um, and then I did that for four years, moved to America. I was like, whoa, there's so many meditation teachers in America now. This is crazy. So I started training them in entrepreneurship because I was like, if we can empower meditation teachers to share their message, we might have a chance in seeing awareness training or watching the mind become popularized in our lifetime. No, I did not say meditation. Yeah. I said, could we make metacognition popularized in our lifetime? Like physical exercise wasn't before the 1950s, after the Industrial Revolution became a thing, because now we're all knowledge workers. Oh. So I started training these teachers in entrepreneurship, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about running businesses, branding, consulting, lead generation. And three years later, <laughs> this very interesting character that I need to follow up with, and uh, he said to me, Brandon, you can't teach entrepreneurship to someone who doesn't want to be an entrepreneur. And my mind precededly exploded. And then I realized, holy shit, you're right. I can't teach these meditation teachers to be entrepreneurs because they just want jobs. They just want to teach. They don't want to do the branding, the marketing, podcast, growing community, SEO. Like, I like that stuff because, we, you know, we're real entrepreneurs, we're kind of weird. Like, we have to, like, brainwash ourselves. Like, oh, yeah, SEO, let's do it. Like, you know, because what's the other option? You're like, oh, you do SEO. I don't right. want to do this. So, <laughs> so these days, the vision's the, the same. How do we bring meditation to 10% of the world? We're starting with America. How do we bring meditation to 40 million citizens? And what would a world like that look like? 
I'm not naive to think everybody's going to be meditating. What would a world look like if, where it's popularized to look within once a day for a minimum of three to five minutes? We know as a species, it's helpful. Just like we found out uh, 80 years ago, it's helpful mm. to exercise. Cool. Tell me, tell me, let's go into a little bit more of a utopia, just a little bit more. Okay. You know, what do you think will happen when 10% of, or when 40 more million people will start to meditate on a daily basis? What will the impact be on, on this country, on this nation? What do you think will start to disappear or disappear completely? The illusion of a separate self. The idea that you are this body and it's totally separated from everything else. That will start to dissipate. You are not just your body. When you sit up off that chair, heat is left over. That's you. When you hear all these sounds around you, that's part of you. You were born into this world and you'll die out of it. But to understand at an intuitive level that you are not separate. What arises from the insight of inseparability is compassion, wisdom, selflessness. What would the world look like if the leaders of America had 1% more selflessness? And it wasn't just about the individual. It was more about the whole. We would live in a world where we would not have to do a double take at the mall to make sure there's not somebody in the corner of the mall wearing a trench coat with a AR-15 or whatever the gun's called. We would live in a society where there wasn't so many agendas, but there were intentions. And I believe that people fundamentally would be significantly kinder to one another just through not meditation, but through making it popularized to practice the one thing. Sorry, I, I told you I'm trying not to look at the video. Now I'm like doing Donald Trump hands. Oh, good. <laughs> when you talk about politics, you got to do the Donald Trump hands for the viewers. <laughs> you got to shrink your hands. SpongeBob said, when in doubt, pinky out. So we would live in a world where we would understand the difference between our species and all other animals in the animal kingdom is this dualistic experience we're in. Yeah. Socrates said to be able to entertain the thought without accepting it. That's the mark of the intellectual mind. So to teach the general populace to be able to entertain the thought without accepting it, to, to teach the general populace to be able to watch the mind. Okay, forget meditation. Okay, for your vision, the viewers who are more religious, great. I love religion. It's interesting. It's fascinating. When you pray, you talk to God. When you meditate, you listen to God. Hmm. Ooh, that's a really good one. When you pray, you talk to God. When you meditate, you listen to God. I love that. It's about, thank you. It's about taking the time to look within. I always said in China, not on a megaphone, we need to watch our minds. Because if we're not watching our minds, somebody's watching our mind. And I'll say that here in America, too. Now with artificial technology, I talk. I, I was I was talking about um, uh, I don't know uh, sink drying dish dish contraptions, like to put your your dishes in the sink where it dries itself. And I was like, we need to get one of those. That'd be great to my wife. And lo and behold, my phone on YouTube was like, do you happen to need a dishwasher holder thing? 
So we're mm-hmm. living in a world where privacy is very, very little. And it's our human right to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. That's a basic human right. Yeah. So you need to, we need to watch our mind or somebody else is going to watch your mind. And I'll say that wherever. And I think it's a basic human right. I think it should be taught in schools, not meditation, but just whatever you want to call it. Tactical silence, purposeful silence, selfless silence, pausing, watching the mind. That's the, like, out of 35 years of existing, that's the easiest way I've ever defined it is what is this? Watching our mind. You're going to get very little pushback if you say that somebody, even if you're like in southern Mississippi, which I have a lot of relatives in. If I went to southern Mississippi, somebody said, Brandon, what do you do? <laughs> I'm going to get so much backlash from your, your southern audience for doing this or the California people. Hey, look, I'm from I'm from Louisiana, so I can mimic a, a southern accent. Brandon, what do you do for a living? Said, well, I teach people to watch their mind. Well, shit, that sounds damn useful. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. That, like that, so you're not going to get pushback from that. Now, watching yeah. the mind is more difficult because it's so active. Easier to watch the breath. Mm, so many wisdom gems that you brought up here, and I want to continue this flow and this stream of consciousness. Now, as you know, my audience is business leaders, entrepreneurs, game changers, and they got bills to pay. We all got bills to pay. We got goals to achieve. We have wealth to build. That's part of the entrepreneurial psyche. And so the question that I have for you is why should an entrepreneur care about the the things that you have brought forward to them? What's in it for them? Why Why do you say that meditation, mindfulness, awareness, watching your mind, all of these different terms that you brought up today are so important for an entrepreneur or a business owner? Great question. I can tell you've been doing this for a while. So you might want to make this the sound bite to lure people in because otherwise they may not even want to listen. So <laughs> now I want to clip this part. Um, let's look at integral theory and spiral dynamics just for a moment. And I want to preface by saying I am a total amateur at integral theory and spiral dynamics, but I want to give a color coordination to the sociological altitudes of development for human beings. I know that's kind of a mouthful. Mm-hmm. We have different color coordinations to the altitudes of development for human beings. And this is a very elementary way of explaining it. You have red, amber, orange, and green. Red is martial. Red is like fight, flight, freeze. Gang members, um, uh, police officers have to deal with that. Um, more of like communist uh, uh, martial arts. When I go train jiu-jitsu tonight, that's very red. And it's also a little green. Red is like uh, power. Would you say then, just because you're mentioning that hustle and grind is red? No. It can be a little bit. Uh, Let me complete the chart. It's very similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Amber is kind of where I'm from. Amber is religious, like people in the South or people in the countryside, good old country folk. Just put your head down low, work hard, go to church on the weekends. Everything's going to be all right. All right, all right. That's amber. Follow the rules. Be a good, be a good religious person. Then you have orange. Orange is status, money, power, fame, performance. A good mnemonic for orange is Donald Trump's face is orange. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So that's orange. And I would say entrepreneurship is very orange. And there's an orange articulation of meditation. But I'm going to give you an articulation of meditation for every altitude of development in this elementary example of spiral dynamics. 
So orange is power, status, money, winning. We gotta win. We gotta win, win, win. As DJ Cali would always say. Then we have green, and Austin, Texas, San Francisco, Portland, Colorado, Denver, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. Uh, these are very green places. We're not religious. We're spiritual. Emotions are very important, and you should not say anything to offend anybody, and everybody's equal. Now, there's there's mean green, and there's good green. Mm-hmm. The green people can be passive-aggressive, but also green people can be emotionally intelligent and sensitive. The aim is to be integral. Can we dip into all altitudes of development without judging one or the other, saying, right. oh, you know, now – Red can't see amber, amber can't see orange, orange can't see green. Green can see orange, orange can see amber, and amber can see red. A red interpretation of meditation is that when you meditate, the most powerful person in the room is the one who is most aware. You can be aware of everything and look behind your head. So when you're out there, you're safe. When you throw that punch, You're throwing it through the other person. That's a red interpretation. An amber interpretation is when you meditate, you listen to God. When you pray, you talk to God. That's an amber articulation of meditation. Here's an orange articulation of meditation. This is why we meditate. Our attention affects our choices. Our choices affect our actions. Our actions affect our results. Therefore, there's a direct correlation with high attention and high results. And your most precious asset is your time and your attention. When you're practicing, practicing mental fitness, you're protecting your time. You're protecting your attention. And meditation is going to help you have innovation. Where were you the moment you had the best idea of your life the commonality through the birth of great ideas is silence typically it's silence or a flow state usually it's silence that's an orange interpretation of meditation i'm sugarcoating the pill for your audience maybe one's going to get them the green interpretation of meditation, it depends on your generation for green. In my generation, we would say we're connecting to the universe. In the Gen Y interpretation of green, we're connecting to spirit. We are connecting to the source. We are connecting to the quantum field. Joe Dispenza fans, what, what? And everything is interconnected, and you are having this experience of your true essence, your true nature. That's a green interpretation of meditation. But the orange people, they're like, <laughs> they're like, you know, they're gagging because it makes them want to throw up because that doesn't mean more power, more status. I don't want to connect to fucking source. I don't have time for that. What I have time for is winning. I get it, man. I like to win too. Let's go train some jujitsu. Let's see who wins. You know? Um, so it just depends on the person's altitude of development. But for your audience, entrepreneurship is you want to cultivate laser focused attention and fine tune that. And the best way to train your attention is to rest it on a point and bring it back and bring it back. You're going to be karate kid catching flies with chopsticks. After we're done with you. (laughs) And you also, in these turbulent times, you want to have greater degrees of self-awareness and resilience. Who can stick it through? When you're building your dream and you're $50,000, $100,000 in debt, and you have the next round of investment coming, and you're on stage, and they're all looking at you, can you keep it calm, cool, and connected? Take a breath. You got it. Calm. Talk from beyond the mind. Talk from your heart. That's where we start. 
So it just depends on where they're at on the spectrum. And there's way more of spiral dynamics yeah. than what I said. I'm an amateur, so if we have any integral theory people, uh, don't, <laughs> don't give me too much backlash on it. I, I know nothing about that. I think you made a really good point in a case for that, and I like the sort of the different categories and looking at the nature of entrepreneurship and you know this whole point of they want to win, they're out there because they want to achieve, and the best way for us to integrate this this more holistic way of living life is to play into their cards. It's not in to say what you're doing is wrong, stop doing that, uh, it's bad, you need to sort of. Uh, be more chilled. And what you're saying is, you know, as an entrepreneur, the most important, the most, the key factor to helping you succeed at a greater level is really understanding the mechanism behind decision making. And often the mechanism behind decision making, I find, is either a conscious or an unconscious choice. And so if you make an unconscious choice, you are by default repeating something that you've already done because your mind will go to the past for referencing what's the best way to make that decision right now should i invest here should i invest here and then if you're in this reactive state your mind will go do what you've already done because that feels safe and that's, that gives me the sense of control the conscious choice is really where you get to apply new learning where you get to say, oh, okay, I just, you know, I, I went to Brendan's course, I listened there, and he, he told me that I, you know, I should double down on SEO. And I've never done SEO, really. And then, but then you can hear the mind kicking in. It's like, oh, but are you sure that's going to work? Just try harder on sending out more DMs. And then that moment when you can take a deeper breath and you can be in your center, you actually can say, okay, you know what? Let's give this a try. Let's do this thing because you have more of that power to make that choice. And so what are some of the go-to techniques that you yourself use if you are in the entrepreneurial game and you want to have more of that capacity to make a conscious choice and to use your time more effectively? What are some of the daily tools that you have? First, I would say a lot of people don't want to meditate because when you close your eyes and you listen to your thoughts, you start to see how active they are. The meditation does not cause more thoughts. They were always there. But now you know how unconscious you really were. So the level of volume to the awareness of thought is showing you what's on the inside and what's actually dictating your life and what's playing around in your head and what those scripts are that keep playing around. And the most powerful entrepreneur there is, is the one who is aware of it and who can see that script playing in the mind and say, no, not now. This isn't serving me anymore. I choose to do something that I'm out, that I'm in alignment with, but we have to slow down to be able to see the chaos happening within us or see the noise happening within us. So first we need to slow down. Take a moment. Three minutes a day keeps the doctor away. I'm sorry. Three minutes a day keeps the psychologist away. <laughs> And hopefully the psychiatrist, which I didn't know what the difference was when I was in college. And the debt collector. Three minutes a day keeps the debt collector away. 100%. 100%. So when I was a teenager, I started meditating. And I would try on a Saturday for 30 minutes. I would not recommend folks to start trying on a Saturday for 30 minutes and saying, this shit don't work. Start small. Cultivate purposeful silence starting at three minutes a day. Awareness of the breath. Just watching the breath. Allow yourself to be breathed. And just watch. My first Chinese organization was called Jin Guan Qi Bian. So for your Chinese listeners, they might be a little 
uh, impressed by that name because it's a very ancient name. It means to wait and see. Lao Tzu talked about this. Who can wait for the mud to settle? Who can wait for the 10,000 things to become 5,000? 5,000 to become 1,000? The one to become none. And what is left is unreasonable joy. Beyond mind. To go beyond, beyond mind. That takes a while to, to ease into, which is already there. So starting at three minutes a day, habit stacking, not asking you to totally rewire your morning routine. I'm just saying, if your morning routine is wake up, ram your head through a pot of coffee, and then run out the door, why don't you just dip your forehead into a pot of coffee instead of ramming your head into it? <laughs> and now you have three minutes to spare and just sit there with no agenda, just an intention and enough enough mental fortitude to know, you know what? That babbling bog man on that podcast I listened to one day, I'm just going to try to just sit and watch. And at this point in my life, I know that that's useful for me to just watch the mind. Forget meditation. Just sit there. Watch your mind. Remember, it's easier to start watching the breath. And you can count your breath on each exhalation from 1 to 10, repeating. So inhale, exhale, 1. Inhale, exhale, 2. Inhale, exhale, 3. To 10, and repeating. And just doing that for three minutes. This acts as a mantra. And it'll supersede thought. But not to change the breath. We don't have to change anything. We don't have to believe in anything. Believe in yourself. Believe in the breath. Watch it happen to you. Observe yourself being breathed. If that's challenging, count the breath. It'll give you a target. And after those three minutes, bring awareness to the body. Note how you feel now compared to three minutes ago. If you feel a little bit better, you're doing it right. If you caught yourself totally daydreaming, being unconscious, you caught it and you came back to the breath. You're doing it correctly. And to know you're doing it correctly is a very important part. It's a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, they sit and they say, this shit don't work. Watching your mind doesn't work. It, it, it is, and it's very, it could be very skillful. Uh, in my free time, I don't watch Netflix. I like to play video games, and I've been playing this ninja video game. <laughs> it's called like Psycho or something. And um, it has a lot of zen in it. And I want to read a quote that I came across because I, I really want to um, highlight how incredibly profound it is to watch the mind. Um, and and uh, it's your warrior to be able to do this. So. Can you, on a daily basis, confront the mind? Look within. That, to me, to me, is the ultimate warrior. You're the most courageous person. Because where does the fear come from? Within. Where does the doubt come from? Within. Where does the dreams, the hopes within can you face it for three minutes a day do you have what it takes to do that to confront what is within you you're a fucking warrior a more feminine interpretation is do you love yourself enough 
to meet the mind with compassion and ease and flow. You honor yourself enough to do that. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm kind of like a machine gun for your audience because one thing is going to stick for somebody and my wish for you all is you start watching the mind more because if we could do this as a society, there would be more kindness in the world. And modern self-help is like drinking water through a fire hose. Where do you begin? And you throw religion and spirituality into, into the mix. Where do you start? Start from within. Just watching. Jin Guan Chi Bian. Just wait, watch, and see. And then you can choose your own adventure from there. If you want to be a Muslim, be Muslim. If you want to be a Christian, be a Christian. If you want to be Jewish, be Jewish. If you want to be Buddhist, be a Buddhist. If you want to be atheist or agnostic, do that. But by golly, watch the heart mind every day. So, there's one mic. Boom! <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm kind of a character. I apologize. <laughs> I love it. Nothing to apologize. You did. You you gave so much value and so much insight, and and you do it in a way. You, you surprised me because when I first got into this world of Zen, I wasn't hesitant. Because I was like, ah, oh, you know, Zen is like mm, sitting under the Bodhisattva tree, ah. and you just just being just being soft spoken, being like that. And you know, now I see you, and you're you're cursing. I like to curse. You play video games. I like to play video games sometimes. You know, I'm like, this is refreshing because as part of the Zenpreneur mission, I want to bring the higher consciousness into the 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 masses of entrepreneurs. And also make it cool, because you know, cool things stick. And let me you, let you me help that. you with that. I thank you, brother. Thank you so much for your kind words. I, I want to help you with that just a little bit, because I know we only have a couple minutes left. There are two schools of Zen, and this is going to really make you like your brand probably even more, and probably your listeners. Legend has it that. Thousands of years ago, we started practice. They started practicing Zen in Japan. And the two schools are Soto and Rinzai. Legend has it that the samurai figured out that the monks were not afraid of death, and they thought, "You're not afraid of death. You could be the ultimate warrior." Mm -hmm. So legend has it that the, the 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 samurai asked the monks, "Please teach us meditation." I reckon they told them, "Say you will teach us how to meditate." That then became Rinzai Zen. Rinzai Zen is very rare in America. It still lives on in Japan. Rinzai Zen is warrior Zen. I'm a part of a, an organization that practices Rinzai Zen. So we're a bunch of crazy guys like me is patience in and impatience in i'm a part of impatience in both will take the same amount of time but it's a little bit more theatrical it's the zen school where they use koans who was your original face before your mother and father met these koans what is the sound of one hand clapping what is the finger pointing to the moon that's rinzai zen so it's, it's a little bit different a little bit more theatrical. I think that that is much better for this country mm. because it's a little bit more intense. It's not like it's a flower baby. No. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Brandon. You have been an absolutely amazing guest. What's the best way for my audience to connect with you? Best way for your audience to connect with me is to go to zision.com. That's Z-I-S-S-I-O-N dot com. That is short for Zen Vision. Mm. So when you meditate, have Zen Vision. Open your eyes. That's where the cookies are. That's where the present is. So Zision dot com. That's it's basically mission, mission with a Z. Zision. Finally. I love it. And I will be sure to add all of your social media in the show notes along with the website. 
Um, Brandon, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the Zenpreneur podcast. I'm sure it will not be the last time. And with that, we are complete. And thank you, my friend, for being a loyal listener of the Zenpreneur podcast. And I will see you on the next episodes.